and welcome to the Changes Ahead podcast. Giving space to the often unheard questions, doubts, hopes, and challenges facing the church in Aotearoa, New Zealand. I'm Stephen. And I'm Kathy, And we invite you to join us as we imagine the changes ahead. Kathy, we've made it. We've made it to the end of this first season. What an achievement, if I do say so myself. Yeah, we have. And I just want to say, Stephen, I have so valued doing this with you. And like I said in the very first episode, I wouldn't have taken this risk without you. And even if I had, my natural inclination is to want things to be perfect. And I would have been comparing myself with every other podcast host. And I can hear and see my husband nodding and laughing at me. (laughs) I'm so glad that I got to do this with you because it means it's not all dependent on me. And we both bring our different strengths to the table. And I'm really hoping that as people have been listening, that they'll be picking that up, that we are stronger and we are better as a we. Mm. And it's more sustainable. Yeah. And that really is one of the themes that came out in a number of the conversations, wasn't it, right, that we are we are better together. And obviously, we're talking about you and me in this space, but in the church, as we imagine changes ahead, you know, we, we need each other. We need people who are different. We need people who are going to bring things that we disagree with and who are going to bring things that, that are going to challenge us and things that are going to encourage us as well, right? And that that experience of being in this together, remaining committed to one another, even when it's difficult, is such an important thing for us going ahead in in the church rather than going, no, disagree with you, I'm out. And I think too, we're challenging this idea that we have to be the hyper gifted individual that we Mm. see at the front. And I think just recognizing again, the collective gifts that we bring together. And I'm better because of you, Stephen. Aww. And I hope that this is what we're doing, that we are stoking this kind of movement that we succeed together. Yeah. Another thing, too, that I said at the very beginning was, as we started this journey, that I didn't know who else was out there in New Zealand, Mm -hmm. who else was thinking and questioning like us. And I have felt just like our guests. I have felt alone in my questioning and asking about what are we doing in our church spaces. And I've been on this journey since my 20s. And I'm still asking those questions. But I have been so pleasantly surprised that there are other people also giving voice to these questions. Mm. Other podcasts like In the Shift and Down to Earth Conversations and Honest Theology. Mm. And they're all Kiwi birthed. And I love being part of a groundswell. I love being part of a cross-pollination of ideas. And what it says to me is the possibility of what can get birthed in us when we imagine together a more holistic way to live together Mm. with our differences, which is what we've been hearing a lot about. And that makes me think about the the power dynamics we've talked about in a couple of the episodes, you know, I think of, yeah. of Jamie's comments when we reflected on the pathfinding report and just, just how often those of us in leadership can be afraid, I think, if I can reflect on my own experience of of giving space to questions or to to the discomfort that comes with questions 
because actually we don't know where it's going to lead us. And then that can lead to some unhealthy and unhelpful power dynamics in our spaces, whether, and it's not just about leaders as well, right? It can be within within communities amongst the people ourselves. And I think that that's been a real highlight for me of a number of the conversations and reflecting again on the problem of power or the problem of the abuse of power. I mean, power is not going anywhere. It's always going to be power dynamics. But those of us who who have it, we need to be more aware of the risks of using it badly and using it not for the sake of the other or the sake of the, the more vulnerable among us. And I think too, what we don't realize is it's a huge weight to think that we have to carry the whole thing. Mm. carrying that weight of I have to have it all as leaders and as pastors. And it's actually really freeing to give up some of that. Once you do start to let some of that go, it's really freeing. And I think what we've loved again, Stephen, is just being able to give a platform to those everyday voices. And what I'm hoping is that as people have listened, that they'd hear something of themselves being echoed. Mm. And that even though it's great to write a book and have a PhD, you don't need those things to be able to have influence and to be able to affect your corner of the world. And so I'm hoping again that that's part of the groundswell, that people will go, yeah, well, I could do that. Yeah. And let's just be honest, Stephen, we do have a bias towards younger people. And that comes from some of our youth background. And they don't often get the place to be able to share their insights. And you know what? We have been so encouraged by how insightful they are. And I think too, what is quite freeing is they don't come with all the baggage that we bring. And I love that intergenerational mentoring, which goes both ways. And it means what we've been hearing is we've been hearing their insights from their vantage point because they're living in this time in history, but they also get to hear some of our lived experience and we are the richer for it. And as their voices are elevated, I think we all get to be elevated. Yeah. I think a lot of the challenge that I've seen in churches over the years particularly when it comes to the the younger voice, is we kind of unintentionally relegate the voice to to you're not yet something, you're <laughs> not yet old enough. Yeah. We call people in their twenties young adults. So actually you're you're not really an adult yet. You're you're still young. So you don't really have a voice until there's a magical age that I don't know what it is because I've been referred to as a young leader and I'm 41. So there is this sense of even when we're trying to be encouraging of of mm. younger voices in in our kind of institutions we can actually be disempowering in the language that we use and i think that's been something that has really challenged me in the way that i use language and again just have so appreciated those who are kind of yeah 10 15 maybe 20 years younger than me that we've spoken with in these episodes to go you are something now you are the yes now you, you are, are your voice absolutely is now and so i think that's something that I, i'm continually taking um, into the spaces that i'm trying to lead in and and yeah imagine changing is is it's not the people who will lead it when i'm dead and buried it's people who are a part of the family of god right now seeing mm. things in a way that the family of god needs to see things like and who can speak into to my life and my leadership as much as i can maybe speak into theirs perhaps and that's exciting that really gives me hope oh absolutely and it is something you know i'm in quite a few mentoring relationships and i have to keep reminding them that they're teaching me 
Yeah, yeah. They're changing me. And they're like, really? Go, yes. And I think that's what you've just said is so important that we've got to stop thinking that they are the church of the future. Yeah, that's right. And that simply then we're going to hand them this thing that we have shaped. Yeah. No wonder they don't want it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. You know, they need to have a say in it now. Mm. And then what I hope is that, well, when we're a little bit older, Stephen, <laughs> you know, when we're in our, you know, 70s and 80s, that they'll still want us around mm. because we would have developed this intergenerational way of relating and then we yeah. still get to do that within the church space. Mm. Wouldn't that be cool? That would be cool. Yeah. You're closer to the 70s and 80s than I am. Right? <laughs> Thanks, Stephen. <laughs> You know, as I've listened to what breaks our guests' hearts, you know, like Rui and Haley and and Justin, it made me think, what breaks my heart? Hmm. And what breaks my heart is that grace and belonging is not as central as we think it is. And we have made believing the right beliefs, and, and you can't see me doing my inverted commas, <laughs> We've made that the center. And even if it's not our intention, that is the message that's taken root. And what's broken my heart in 20 years of pastoring my community is that grace still has to butt up against this earlier fundamental belief that they are never good enough, mm. that their unworthiness is greater, and that they will never be good enough. Mm. And Stephen, we've got to have more conversations around this mm. because this is not the good news of Jesus's radical grace and inclusion. Mm. Mm. What breaks your heart? I think for me, it really is the harm that is caused often in the name of Jesus in the church. Yeah. Uh, I, th I think of situations that I have been involved in directly uh, of trying to help people or uh, even just hearing about. Um, and it's just, it's really difficult to sit with that being a part of this space uh, mm. that I love, mm. that I want to lead and serve amongst. Yeah. Uh, and yet I know that we have done a lot of bad things to to people and it is has it means the good news of jesus has been hidden by often the way we have treated people i think of a number of my friends uh who are ministering uh, alongside me who have been some of the most impacting and just wise and sincere leaders in mm. the church who and go into some spaces in of of leadership and who simply because they are women it is not safe for them to be there because mm. there are people who think that they shouldn't be because they are women mm. uh, and i've heard their heartbreak because of those experiences and it's just it's just tragic to me that this is that this is a part of our story and I, you know, I think of our conversation with Jody and Andrew last week, and this concept that Jody began to unpack of going: if we are denying someone's personhood in our disagreement, mm. then actually, it's more than just oh, we've got two different opinions, right? And so, and I, I see that in all sorts of areas in the church where it's more than just this is a different theological opinion. We are actually 
denying people's personhood yeah. uh, in, in this process. And that that is that needs to change. Oh, it so does. And it has to be central. Mm. I know that we are still trying to get our uh, thoughts around that, but I we just heard it as such a strong call yeah. and challenge that it has to be more than just believing a set of ideas. Yeah. We we actually have to put the person and their whole well-being ahead of of what you know theological thoughts we have because mm -hmm. is it not that central so central when Jesus said to love ourselves and to love one another mm. and that has to be at the heart of it mm -hmm. even if we don't understand yeah and it's not to say that theological thoughts and or you know, understandings of scripture aren't important, right? We yeah. need to wrestle with that. But yeah. we also need to recognize that these scriptures, uh, as as vital as they are and as, as amazing as they are for us in, in the way that they point us to, to the person of Jesus, they were written in a time that is very different to ours. Mm. Uh, and that's massively over oversimplifying it, mm. um, all of the issues. But that has to be, for me at least, in, in my approach to to the scriptures, is is how ultimately are we being pointed to Jesus in this space? Mm. Not necessarily looking at a doctrine that might only be 100 or 200 years old, but because it's that old, it feels like that's what we've always believed, Yeah, um, when that's just not actually the case. And that feels like one of the overarching themes that we heard in all these conversations was this deep, renewed call to love and a love that creates more space and openness to the other and openness to difference. And one of the things I heard from Rui and Haley, and I think it was a great sentence that they said, it's tragic that the level of threat and defensiveness that comes out of us. Hmm. Can we move from, I don't see it this way, to, ah, oh, that's a different way of seeing. Hmm. Even just changing our stance hmm. to create a bit more space to have these dialogue and conversations. Hmm. So if we think about what it actually looks like to love one another better, it's about starting a conversation from perhaps a different place. Yes, and that's the whole thing about learning to listen better. Mm. And so instead of going into a conversation thinking, well, I'm going in to convince you of my position mm. or going in with a predetermined destination of where we think we're going to get to, mm. what about intentionally telling yourself, I'm going in to learn? And that would have to be a practice because you'd have to work really hard. And, and it is something that I'm trying hard to do mm. in some of my conversations to keep going, what can I learn? We'll be right back. So are we saying that we can't actually hold our opinions with conviction then? Is that kind of what we are, are suggesting? Well, it's saying that I can still hold them, but I don't have to put them out there straight away. I can just right. put them at the back and I can go, okay, I can hold those. But maybe love means I can give room for you. Hmm. And in that space, I am hoping that the conversation changes me. Mm. because normally we're going in saying, well, I want to change you. But what if it's about saying I can hold these things, but I'm going in with the stance of that 
I'm going to be changed as I go away and as I reflect, as I chew over what has been said and give myself a chance to listen to this different way of seeing. Mm. What if the goal is about me being changed? Mm. I guess, and if we were all approaching our gathered worship spaces like that, including the pastors, yeah, like if we are all coming into this, how is how is this engaging with each other and engaging with the Spirit of God going to change me? Absolutely. Maybe that would be a a pretty significant shift within our church spaces. And look, it, it can't do any harm because <laughs> what we're doing <laughs> is not working. So if we went in with that kind of mindset. I can tell you that my best pastoring is when I go in to listen, to really hear where where my people are at. Mm. And then I shape what I do around that. Mm. That Mm. feels so much more loving. And actually, again, it's really freeing because I'm not trying to come up with, you know, some perfect stuff that I think they need to hear. I'm actually listening to where they're at and it's changing me. Hmm. Does that make sense? It does. Is there an example of that that you have where you have been changed in the process? I think like even if you hold some deep convictions, because I so want to be present to them, Mm. it's taken a lot of the anxiety away that somehow I've got to shift them. Hmm. And because I'm sitting, I'm actually hearing more than I would have heard before And that is actually helping the engagement and the relationship. Mm. And this is happening to me with a number of people that I'm journeying with. And I mean, just again, you're highlighting the vital importance of relationship. Yes, so it's in relationship. No. Um, It can't be done from a monologue from the front. No. It can't be done from here's my list of Bible verses or here's my theologians that are going to convince you. Ultimately, it becomes about relationship and that is what we heard didn't we from our guest that it can only make sense in the place of relationships Mm. and so whatever we're doing we we have to keep going back to creating those smaller spaces that people can can begin to create this kind of genuine connection Mm. with one another Can we pick up on one of the images that, or I guess it was the first image that was given to us in the podcast series that a lot of people have, um, I I had one pastor actually text me and say, well, you've just ruined my day off because I listened to that, um, that episode. And it was Nicole's vision of the boulder at the kind of just off its perch at the top of the hill with a bunch of people standing behind it that, yeah, I I think it's, it's a confronting image, but it has, it's, I think been, in some ways, almost present in every episode, this this yeah. idea, hasn't it? Um, whether yeah. it's been stated or not. But I guess for, for us in our practice, yeah, maybe what does kind of beginning to let go of that boulder or stepping out of the way of that boulder look like? I think the first thing is to acknowledge that change is coming. <laughs> <laughs> right. Whether, whether we're ready. Yeah. Whether we're ready for it or not, yeah. that at some point the church, the way that we know it in terms of that image of the boulder mm. is going to roll down the hill. Mm. It's inevitable. But what we have some kind of say in, because that's awful, you know, the sense of we've lost control. Mm-hmm. But we have some say in how we transition. Mm. And I think that is the call of the Spirit to us, is that let's not be ill-prepared. 
if we wait for this change to happen to us at the last minute, it's going to be way more painful. It'll be forced on us. Where at the moment, I think the call is, and we're hearing like you said, time and time again, that change is coming. Mm. And so what can we do to begin to learn and train ourselves? Because I think we do have to be trained in Mm. how to hold ambiguity, how to hold this in-between space where we actually don't have an idea of where it's taking us. We don't have our great pre-prepared plan. Mm. Which if we can do that, if we're actually preparing ourselves, if we're naming this, I guess is what we've been trying to do with this podcast, but that reduces some of the anxiety, right? It it is a scary thing to not know exactly what is ahead, to recognize that, well, at least in the Western church, things are needing to shift significantly if we are going to actually continue to participate in the reconciling work of of God in the Mm. world. Yeah, I, I like that idea of preparing ourselves for the fact that change is coming and change is here. Right, like but yeah, we, it's already here. If, if we hear from those those people who are younger but are leading now, are a part of us now, are have mm. yeah, have a voice now, they've already shifted on a whole lot of things, right? Like that that mm. just yeah, pe- people my age and older, we're going. Oh, hold on a second, but what about such and such? What about such and such? Well, this why even talking about that? I think again of Brooke. Why? Are we not engaging with issues that are actually people are genuinely concerned about? Yeah, we're focused on other things that seem so irrelevant when the planet's on fire, right? Like I loved his lines, Stephen, where he goes, "Why is the church so concerned about who marries who yeah. if we haven't got a planet to live on?" Right, exactly. And so change is here. It's not change is coming. So yes, I, I guess coming back to your point of preparing ourselves for change, of recognizing the good. Right, we we don't want to say that the past was all bad. That's not mm. true. The reality is that there are good things ahead, and yes. there is more reconciliation because of the work of the Spirit of Christ that we can participate in if we get on board. If I just dig my heels in and go, no, I'm continuing with my yeah my sermon sandwich or whatever they call it, yeah, because I'm the pastor, I'm the one with the voice. It's just going to continue to to dwindle off because that's not how the world works anymore. I think what we've been hearing is language and we need language to be able to help hold us when we're in an in-between space. Mm. And some of that language that has been named is, you know, it is uncertain and we do feel uncomfortable. But when we can speak to them, It's about removing the sense of fear that we've done something wrong because something is uncomfortable. Mm. It's not. Yes. It's just that something, change is happening. And so I think that's a really important first step is that the more that we can understand that just because something is uncomfortable doesn't make it bad. Mm -hmm. It just makes it hard. And that, again, why we need each other to be able to support each other in those spaces and remind each other. It kind of reminds me of one of my own sort of personal stories. And when we're talking about change is inevitable, if nothing else happens to us, change is going to happen simply by growing up. Mm. You know, even as young people grow up, they're going to be, they're going to be confronted with change yep. of moving into adulthood. And if you've got kids, If nothing else happens to you, 
you are going to be confronted by change because your kids grow up. And I remember when my daughter was 21 and she decided to go and study for four years in the US. (laughs) And then my son thought, wow, if Jess can do it, then so can I. And in the space of six months, both my kids left home. Mm. And I went from my house feeling full to my house feeling empty. And if I hadn't have had some of that language of understanding that I was now in what we call a liminal space and in between, I didn't know what the next steps was and didn't know how it was going to look, that would have been so much more difficult to navigate. But I did have some understanding and I was able to sit in that grief and know that, yes, the space is really empty. Mm. But over time, something new did grow. Mm. The, the link that you've made there of, of you had language and framework to, to kind of mm-hmm. get your head around yep. what had just happened, but yes. that didn't stop the grief. No. And so I think that's that's really important to highlight mm-hmm. as well. Is of even like in, our, in this idea of, of kind of being prepared for it, it doesn't mean that we won't, that it won't be hard, that there won't be, yeah, genuine feelings of loss or like actually there's this element of whatever it was that I really like and I'm going to miss. And that's yeah. that's okay. I think that's a really helpful illustration yeah. to go, even even being prepared doesn't stop the the fact that we will grieve at times or that there'll be other feelings yeah. that might be uncomfortable. Or, yeah. So, yeah, that's really helpful. It just takes away, like I think I said before, that there's something wrong. Because if we have that overlay that something is wrong yeah, because yeah. things are changing, then that is what can create more kind of harm for us. Mm-hmm. And I think what you've just said is, is really important too, is that it's often good stuff. I mean, so I'll take you back to our children growing up. As they move on to ne- our next stage, we have to let go of something that was good. There's always something good that we have to leave behind, like when they were small and they sat on your lap and they cuddled you. Yeah. <laughs> to embrace something new. Yeah. And that, I think, is a rhythm that is woven throughout our life journey. And if we could embrace that, that that is what life is, Mm. there will always be transitions Mm. and there will always be times of not knowing what the next steps are. And we've seen, if we take notice, that's the story of the church in the Bible, right? Oh, look, this is not quite how we thought about it before. We're going to change. Oh, that's caused other questions to come up, right? Like this is the story of our faith from its inception. Absolutely. So it reminds me of another story and and where I was learning about liminality and uh, and understanding being in in between spaces. And I was presenting it to our community and I had all these pages that I was putting out in the middle of the floor to explain what the process is and what it feels like. And at the end of it, I was quite excited, but they looked dumbfounded. And it was like I was teaching them another language Mm. because I was. (laughs) Up until that point, we really didn't discuss this as part of our normal way of thinking about things, that, you know, liminality is simply going from the tried and tested and what we've known and we've moved into this next space and we don't know what the next thing is and it hasn't been formed yet and we're in between. Mm. 
And because we were able to start talking about that language, then we were able to say things like, oh, yeah, this feels really uncomfortable. Mm. Oh, that's right, because we're in an in-between. Oh, that's why we're feeling this way. Oh, okay, and it does feel hard. And we were able then to encourage each other to do that. And then once we had this kind of framework, it's then I looked back at the Bible and went, oh, my gosh, Mm. the Bible is full of it. The people of God are most of the time in the in-between. They're in a liminal space, and we just haven't read it that way. Mm. And so if we could understand that, that that is woven in to our life and faith journey, it will always be part of it. Mm. But we do, again, need some way to help understand, to hold us in that space so that the anxiety does not take over. Mm. So if I'm thinking as as we do finish this episode, which means finishing this season, if I'm trying to nail down some kind of practical steps of what this change process, preparing for change, being in a liminal space, what does that actually require of us? What are some steps? I guess there's a few things in my mind. And again, we've talked about all of these throughout the season. Things like actually having this posture of humility of, I don't know everything to start. Welcoming the questions. Let's actually go, oh, Oh, okay. That's a question I haven't thought about yet. Or mm. actually, I've got an answer, but I'm not sure my answer works anymore. Yeah, in, in this this new new stage, we're going to need some self awareness and be able to recognize when we're feeling triggered, and to be able then to take some time to say, "Okay, I was triggered. Yeah, what is that about?" And to begin to ask ourselves those questions. Yeah. And I think in our small groups, we need to really encourage that self awareness. Yeah. There is no other way we can love well until we are aware of what's going on in us mm. and what we're bringing to the table. And that's that's hard, right? Because if, if I'm if I'm getting angry about something because it's pushing my buttons, my first thought is, well, clearly they're wrong, right? This mm. other person is wrong because I'm angry about what you're saying. And so, but no, actually me taking taking a step and going, okay. My feelings and my responsibility. <laughs> let's mm-hmm. let's look at what what my reaction is saying, both about me and about this topic, and then taking it from there. And perhaps the next thing to do, rather than responding with a statement, it's responding with a question. A question, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and say, so, well, that's an interesting way of saying it. Could you tell me more? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that has stood out for me is going in and trying to ask myself the question, what can I learn? Mm. To change my stance and posture that, because we think it's about changing the other. Mm. What if it's about changing ourselves? Mm. And in that way, if we're both doing that, I don't know, maybe something new is going to get birthed. Mm. It's worth a try. Mm. It is worth the try. And Kathy, I know you've got a blessing that we want to finish mm. the episode with. But before we get to that, I know we both would really like to thank all of the, the people we've spoken with over this last, I guess, six months or so that we've been doing this. And thank you for your bravery. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for bringing us questions. Thank you for challenging us. Thank you for helping us to imagine the changes ahead. And to all of you who have been listening, thank you so much for the way you have engaged with us, for the questions that you've brought, for the feedback that you've given us. We so appreciate it. We wouldn't be doing this without you. And we are so looking forward to further conversations in the new year.
And I just want to share a blessing for um, the different life changes that we all face, whether it's changes in the church, whether it's changes for us personally in our interpersonal relationships, whether it's changes in our jobs. This is for all of us. Lord, teach us to listen to our hearts. Teach us to welcome change instead of fearing it. Lord, we give you these stirrings inside us. We give you our doubts. We give you our despair. We give you all the longings we hold inside. Help us to listen to these signs of change, of growth. Help us to listen and to follow where they lead us through the breathtaking empty space of an open door. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Changes Ahead podcast. If that resonated with you, we'd love to hear from you. So get in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Changes Aheadcast or Twitter at Ahead Changes. See you next year.